Thanks for joining us today to hear our latest Hope Central podcast. We trust this message will help you know more about Jesus and inspire you to be more like Him. because I felt like that was a real moment of describing just how we feel at times. Sorry, my massive head's in the way. How we feel at times. We're just tired, aren't we? We're tired and we get sick of saying we're tired. I was a hairdresser for 20 years. I started hairdressing when I was 15. And so by the time I got married at 22... I had a lot of responsibility in hairdressing. I was managing a small salon. I had staff. I had tills to settle. I had all kinds of layers. And I would—I worked really hard. I'm a hardworking person. I've been brought up by hardworking people. And I worked really hard. And every Christmas, I would work so hard that I would be sick Christmas Day. I would have an ear infection and I would have no voice. So just making the change from um, living at home to having a home and being in ministry and doing hairdressing, it was just too much and I just couldn't cope. But I, I didn't notice that that's what was making me sick. And it actually took my mum and Joe to go, you know what, you're actually pushing yourself too much. You're actually doing too much work. You, you, you're not doing a sensible amount and I want to suggest to us today that sometimes we all need their outside perspective to go you know what you're actually not getting this right for yourself right now you see I had a personal boundary problem about how to manage my time but I've learned a lot since then a few weeks ago I was at Pilates and Pilates is a no talking zone right it's the bed thing and the pulley thing And there's this girl in my class, and I just have started to get to know her. As you're walking out, you might have a chat. And she said to me, she's really outgoing. I'm I'm quiet in the class because I'm, like, trying to be incognito, unless Anne's there, then we chat. But I'm pretty quiet in the class, and I'm walking out, and she said to me, oh, what do you do? And we were chatting about the weekend, and I said, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, I'm a Christian. She said, you must be exhausted if you're a pastor. And I said, what was that? And she said, well, just people ringing you all the time, constantly needing your help. I said, oh, no, not really. And then she wasn't even really listening. She talks a lot. And she said, she said um, oh, I'm so tired today. Last night, my pastor rang me at like 10 o'clock and said to me she had an admin problem and she needed me to do the monthly newsletter straight away. Like that night, it's got, it's end of the month, it's, you know, new month is tomorrow, got to get it done straight away. You know, she, and I said to her, huh. So this woman's got young kids and she had to get up early. So she got this call at like 10 o'clock and she, you know, she had this urgent problem she had to solve for a pastor. And I said to her, doesn't seem like the end of the month just flies. 
And she looked at me. I said, so she forgot to get the task done and she's called you and now you're up late doing her task. She said, yeah. I said, hmm, sounds to me like that's a bit of a boundary problem. I was thinking. And she just walked off. See, sometimes things that are urgent for someone else aren't necessarily urgent for us. It's a boundary thing, isn't it? I, in an effort to be prepared for today, I've done a lot of research because it's a really big topic, isn't it, boundaries? So I actually read the very famous book, Boundaries. I read it before. I read it when I was doing a counselling degree, but I actually read it recently. And you know what I worked out? I've still got a lot to learn. I've got a lot to learn about boundaries. But basically, it's such a great book. If you're not familiar with it, I recommend you grab it. They have boundaries for teenagers, all kinds of layers. It's a really, really practical book. But basically, boundaries are about dealing with yourself, not another person. So if you can grab that thought today, boundaries are about dealing with yourself. Boundaries are the fences you put in place to protect yourself. That's what a boundary is. See, you are the person that decides what is okay and what isn't okay for you. Boundaries are required around your space, your time, your body, your money, your resources and your relationships. That's up to you. Not someone else, it's up to you. When we are well, we make good choices around our boundaries. Boundaries help us with our well-being, but I think the complexity is if you're not well or something's not right, you need some help with your boundaries. We can't always solve boundaries on our own. We're going to look at a story in Exodus. Pastor Kevin looked at this story as well at Gawler. Exodus 18, 14 to 23. I imagine this story through the lens of my Italian friends. It is not an Australian story. The Bible was not written in Australia. We know that? Good, good, just checking. Okay. This is what it says. What is this you are doing for these people? Why do you alone sit and judge? All these people stand around you from morning to evening, morning to evening. Moses answered him. So that was Jethro speaking. He's Italian. Because the people come to me, Moses says, to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and I inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, replied, What you are doing is no good. You... And these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle this alone. You cannot. Interesting story. See, Moses was actually hearing from God for the people. He really was. He was hearing from God for the people. That is a huge job. Imagine if you, your job was to hear from God for all the people. That's massive. 
but he was also settling arguments and doing a load of other tasks, and that was too much. His father-in-law, Jethro, explains that the current situation is not only wearing Moses out, it's wearing the people out because they're waiting and not getting the support that they need. So Moses immediately listened to his father-in-law. Weird? Good? No good, not weird. Then Moses realises that he cannot have control over this situation. So he involves other people in the work and he sets up systems that have much better boundaries for himself and for the people, which is great. So he had more people to carry the load. So this allowed him to focus on hearing from God for the people. See, some of us struggle to give up control because we feel responsible. It's hard to give up control. Some of us struggle to change boundaries because we feel bad asking someone else to do something. See, boundaries require updating. You can't keep them the same. They need updating throughout your whole life and all your circumstances. Just because you did something in the past doesn't mean you can always do it in the future or you can't add on to it. But equally, just because you didn't do something in the past doesn't mean God doesn't want you to start. Things need changing, don't they? When I worked in a high school with students, uh, with students that had disabilities, I worked with a particular student that was pretty unhappy with his life. He was 17. He was frustrated. He wanted to be independent. But unfortunately, being 17 and having a disability, he acted like a child. So his mum was struggling with that. So they came in to meet with me. So they sat down and he expressed to his mum, I want to walk to school. I want to be independent. They lived really close to school. And he said, I want to walk to school. And she turned and looked at me and she said, what if he can't get up? So the problem was this young man not only had an intellectual disability, he had a physical disability, which meant he wore leg braces. So although he could walk, he couldn't bend his legs. So if he fell over, she knew he wouldn't be able to get up. So she had a, a reasonable fear, right? It wasn't an unreasonable fear, it was a reasonable fear. So I said to her, well, why don't we see? Why don't we practice? Why don't we practice? Why don't I take him out and I'll practice with him falling over and getting up? So we went out of the school boundary. I'm sure this was on the cameras because, you know, metal mesh fences as they have in high schools. Him and I went out of, the, out of the boundary and unfortunately the only way to get him down is to push him because his legs don't bend. So we did have a few laughs about that but I had to push him down and, you know, because, you know, if I have my legs like this, how else do you get down? It, it, it requires a push. So to push him down and um, then he had to think about and we had to work out how do we get him up. So we tried some things and that, that didn't work. So we eventually worked out he could roll himself over to the fence and pull himself up. So it, it, it was a pretty... Um, pretty difficult thing to watch to be honest watching someone 
you know, I mean, we had some laughs, but ultimately it's kind of humiliating, isn't it, as a 17-year-old trying to get yourself to a fence and, and pull him up. So we did that, and he was successful. So then he was allowed to walk to school. See, that was a hard thing for me, but imagine how hard that would have been if that was his mum watching him do that. See, sometimes we are too close to a person to help them shape a new boundary because we don't want to see people struggle. And sometimes people are going to struggle. That's just part of life, isn't it, unfortunately? So have a think about that. Are you too close to someone to help them change their boundaries? Boundaries are really important for us. I love people. I do. I love meeting new people. I love hanging out with people. I love getting to know people. But what I know that if I don't have good boundaries, that as a wife, a mother, a pastor, a leader, a boss, a grandma, if I have a breakdown or I burn out, not only am I in trouble, but Joe is in trouble. And Joe and I are a team, so we've got a guy working at 50%, and that's a problem. So it's really important for me that I get my boundaries right so I take care of myself. But you know what? I'm not more important than any single person in this room. This applies to every one of you. If you don't get your boundaries right and you go down because you're exhausted or you have a, you know, mental breakdown, if you don't get your boundaries right, then that's going to affect a whole raft of people for every, I know pretty much everyone in the room, it's going to affect other people too. So as we talk about this today, please be processing, what do I need to do differently? What do I need to change? What do I need to put in place? What is your action point from today? See, we know there are lots of needs, right? And it takes a lot of wisdom to know how to help, who to help, and when to help. We have these conversations all the time as a team. We just did mental health first aid training, and um, that was really, really helpful as a group. A large group of us did it. And we came up with some questions that we learnt about, and I want to just pose them to us today. I think that might be helpful. The first question is, do you have the time energy and resources to help? It's a fair question. I think that that's a smart place to start. Do you have the skills? Can you actually help in this situation or do you need to get someone else involved? And have a think about what you won't be doing if you take on helping this person. That can maybe inform your choice as well. Next question is, is what they are asking fair is it a fair ask of you? I get asked a lot of things, some of them very reasonable, others really not fair. How will I know how far to go and when to stop? Have a plan in place when you're going to help someone. The other thing I think about is considering the person's track record, current situation I call it, so does this happen all the time and are they asking you to jump in again and again and again? Or is this unusual? Is this, a, a you know, really, really unusual? For instance, I had a text message a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday from a person that I know fairly well. And as soon as I got that message, the message was something like, 
are you in your office? And I thought, so I, I rang this person straight away and said, what's, what's going on? Because this person doesn't normally contact me. We have a good relationship, but it was just an unusual thing. And I think just being aware when something is different and knowing that that person might need you to step in, and it was correct. I actually did need to step in, and it was important. This person wasn't pushy. They weren't, you know, crying at my door, but I, I just went, yeah, I think they need some help. Next thing I want to say is money is not a boundary. This is a bit of a side note, but I think this is really important, and you'll, you'll see why as I talk about it a bit more. So don't use money as a boundary because money is a boundary that can be easily fudged. For example, I was watching a documentary about people that live on luxury cruise ships. You know, you know that? Like you can live on them for like $60,000 and you spend the whole year on there and they feed you a buffet 24 hours a day. I'd, be, I'd eat myself to death, but anyway. So it was, a, it was a documentary about these beautiful cruise ships and they had this wealthy heiress. She looked like the oldest person I'd ever seen. She was old and she'd had so much plastic surgery so you couldn't really tell. And she had like hardly any hair and she had a dog with hardly any hair and she had lots of makeup on and, you know, blingy clothes. And she was a great lady, really eccentric, full of fun, loved watching her interview. And next to her was this much younger husband much younger. He was probably my age because she was like 100, but yeah, he was much younger, much younger than her. And she absolutely adored him. She adored him. You could just see that they had a, that was great. They had a great relationship. But they, when they came back to interview her a little while later, he'd actually passed away. Very strange. So he had a drug addiction. And so what happened was he was now married to a wealthy heiress and had no money boundaries. So he no longer had the boundary of I can only afford this much. He actually lost that boundary and he could afford everything and he overdosed. See, money is not a good boundary because you may think I only spend $50 on the pokies but the problem is you can fudge that because when you win the $50, then you spend that as well. And there's just so many layers of fudging. And if you know anyone that gambles, they never lose. If you've had any gamblers in your family, they're always making a fortune because they only report fortune. So it's really important to have an actually accurate value that is a boundary. For instance, I don't gamble, not I only gamble, blah, because you can fudge it. It's really important to set your boundaries on your values. Boundaries require a lifelong commitment. These giant people are Pastor Hans Wortman's children. I was at Pastor Hans's 70th. Um, I don't know if you remember Pastor Hans. He's spoken at many of our churches here. And he is an absolute legend. He was the state chairperson for a really long time. He is a senior pastor of Stirling forever, now retired. He um, looked after his mum while she, until she passed away in his home while he was doing ministry and being the state chairman. He has four beautiful adult boys, four beautiful daughter-in-laws, a stack of grandkids, such a big stack, fantastic. And at his birthday, 
despite all these things he's done, all the titles he's had and all the roles he's had, all this boy's talked about was his love for Jesus and his time for each one of them. Now, there's plenty of reasons that that man could say, I don't have time for my kids or time for family things or time to look after. But he didn't. He got his boundaries right and he got his priorities right. And every one of his children, his daughter-in-laws and his grandchildren, loved Jesus. And I reckon it's because of that. If you get your boundaries right and you don't wear yourself out and you have fresh love for Jesus, your kids will reap the benefit of that. Beautiful story. They all cry a lot, the Vordies, don't they? They're criers. Yeah, it was great. I was crying too. All right. So let that be a lesson to us. Now, we're going to look at Proverbs 31. Um, It's actually written by a king, and it's teaching from his mother. Think about that. It's written by a king, and he was taught this by his mother. Listen, my son, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answers to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's what his mum taught him. His mum, King Lemuel, his mum taught him to set his boundaries right. She said, don't get drunk, don't hang around with women that are going to get you into trouble, but focus on the care of the needy. Wouldn't it be a great country if the king was focused on the care of the needy? That would be amazing. So the only way the king could do that would be getting his priorities right, surely. So the king then turned his attention to write about what to look for in a partner. He learned this from his mother also. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Honour her for all that her hands have done. Wow. See, this was what his mother taught him to look for. This wasn't a hit list of tall, thin, blah, 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 straight teeth, all the things that, you know, generally kings are probably looking for. Because remember in that time, kings only needed to acquire wives. They had people to do all that stuff. They didn't need to to marry that. But there was something in what he was taught by his mum 
that he was actually seeking the complete opposite of what the culture expected. Could you imagine if a king found such a person as that, the influence that would have on the community? It would be massive, wouldn't it? It would change the community. But to be honest, I've never liked this passage. Ugh. It was like giving, being given a scorecard for all the things you could possibly do if you never slept. Anyone else feel like that? Oh, my goodness, what's with the yarn and the fabrics? And I didn't even read all of it. My goodness me. Does she not even sleep? Like, have a think about it. She single-handedly improves her community by commerce. She's a property developer, an organic food wholesaler, a merchant. A, she runs a household. She has a great reputation. She speaks up and judges fairly in the community. She defends, defends the rights of the poor and needy. I feel exhausted just reading that list. But maybe, as I, I prayed about this and studied this, maybe this list isn't just about the perfect woman to marry. Maybe this list is something else. Because I don't reckon I can do this list by myself. I can't. I'm not doing anything with yarn. I hate yarn. Very passionate about that. But... I wonder if us as combined Hope Central, maybe it's our story. Maybe it's all of us together. Maybe you do a bit of this and maybe you do a bit of this and maybe I do something else. And maybe together we as the bride of Christ are the wife of noble character. Maybe it's all of us. I don't know if he, if he found that guy, girl, but I certainly, it's not me. But maybe together it is all of us. Maybe we could defend the rights of the poor and needy. Maybe we could provide food. Maybe we could do those things together. You see, my life isn't just about serving Joe, as your life isn't just about serving your spouse. Our lives are much bigger than that, aren't they? They're about serving our community, our God and our church. So for me to have the time to do that, though, I have to have healthy boundaries. Because if your boundaries are wrong, you won't have the time. We need to seek God, seek him. We've got to make that a priority. Psalm 61.1 says, You, God, are my God, and I earnestly seek you. We need to put our guard down with God. We need to seek God while we lie awake at night and can't work out why we're not sleeping. That's when we seek God. You know, it's interesting. I... Uh, I was just really thinking, what advice can I have for us today? And I thought about this. There's some stuff in the Bible I'm about to share with you that God said to a whole lot of people. So if you can't work out what to do, I'd like to suggest that God would say this to you because I reckon this is pretty right. And the question is, what must we do? So I'm pulling this from John 6, right? So that's like the highlights reel. That's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, when he walks on water. And guess what? That draws a crowd. Feed 5,000 people. If we fed 5,000 people here, we'd have a crowd, right? Imagine the crowd that Jesus drew because then he went on to walk on water. So these people were following Jesus, this massive crowd, and they, they were following him around. And they asked Jesus what to do. And he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. 
which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the work God requires? Because they've got no clue. They've just met a guy that fed a lot of people and walked on water. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's what the work of God is. That's what we must do. Believe. We need to believe in God more than we believe in ourselves because we are not the answer. If we get our boundaries right, we have so much more space for God and for miracles. But if we're so distracted, we're stuck. You know, I heard a, a, a preacher say once, never preach a message that didn't change you when you prepared it. And this is my kicker. I don't have that on a slide, sorry guys. How, I'm going to ask you this question. How is your compassion scorecard? I do have that, thanks guys. How is your compassion scorecard? When I looked at what these scriptures were saying, it kept coming to me, what am I doing? Not what am I, Jody, senior pastor doing, what am I Jody, humble servant of Jesus, individual doing. What am I doing? How is my compassion scorecard? If Jesus came back tomorrow and said to me, how much compassion, like in Proverbs 31, did I show to the poor? I'm going to be embarrassed. If you look at your last week like I just looked at mine, even knowing I was going to preach this, and work out how much compassion I show to the poor. I've got some work to do around my priorities, to be honest. Maybe you do too. Maybe you're doing too much of something you shouldn't be doing. See, the reason I'm so excited about the cinema is because I've been there renovating for the last two weeks. And I have talked to more people in that cinema curate clothing space, in that space, in the last two weeks, than I've talked to in seven years here. Maybe that's my spot. Maybe that is where I meet need. I'm not suggesting it's necessarily your spot, but it's my spot to connect with the community. But you need to find yours. You don't need to all come and worship here, right? It'd be ridiculous if we're all together, wouldn't it? It's not big enough for all of us together anyway. But you've got to find where you are going to show compassion. Are you too busy for that? I'm just really excited about Sinner. I'm not going to go on about it. But anyway, I'm going to read Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, that is us, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, the righteous, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? 
when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If Jesus said to you tomorrow, what did you do for the least of these? Would you know how to answer? I'm not sure that I haven't got some work to do. I think I do. If Jesus was to say to Hope Central, what did we do for the least of these? We've, we've got some work to do, don't we, Ash? We know that. We've been talking about it. We've got work to do. We're not doing enough for the poor and the needy. We're not. See, the thing with boundaries is, I don't think your boundary problem or your boundary issues are about how much compassion you're showing to the poor and needy. Mine aren't that, being honest. See, boundaries are there for your family, your parents, your children, cousins, whatever, your work, your Christian friends, your boss. That's what boundaries are for. They're not for God. You don't need to put boundaries in place for God. And you probably don't need to put boundaries in place for the, the poor and needy because you're probably not seeing them because I'm not. We need to find them. I know this is a lot and it, it is a bit overwhelming and this message is a lot. I get that. But as I prepared this, Jesus shared this with me from the very same chapter where he walked on water and fed everyone. Verse 20, Jesus saw the crowds and he already had in mind what to do. He knew what he was going to do. We don't need to know what to do. We just need to turn up and we need to have the time and the space and be available. Now, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and devotion, August 7th, and we, it's titled Passion for Jesus. And the reason that we've called it that is because we want to provide an opportunity for you to dig in deeper and connect deeper with Jesus so that you can help more. It's not just so you get another kick out of Derek's beautiful work. That's not why Derek makes it. We want to help you to connect more with Jesus because when your boundaries are right, you have room to respond to God. When your boundaries are right, you will find all you need in him. You won't need boundaries for God or helping others. When your boundaries are right, you will operate in faith, not fear or dread. When your boundaries are right, you will have time to seek your passion for Jesus. Seek your passion for fruitfulness and seek compassion for others.